Jesus, the teacher, the Messiah, had been crucified, had been placed into a tomb. That's where that video leaves us. And know this, that his death, although we may put death and a crucifixion as synonymous in our minds, they're both forms of death, but please understand that crucifixion was the cruelest form of death. The disciples would have seen their Savior, their teacher, their Messiah. They would have seen his body torn apart. They would have seen him flogged, blood loss, no doubt internal organs, lungs. And they saw him placed into a tomb. They could not fathom, nor, and you're going to see this in a minute, nor did they believe at that moment he was going to come back that he would be raised. In Luke chapter 24, we're going to see the story of the resurrection. It's a chapter that if you have been in church for a while in life, you've read bits and pieces of it, maybe all of it. So I would ask that this morning you come to it and you lean into it and you, and you listen for a few things that over the last 10 days have just jumped all over me. But if you're coming this morning and you're full of doubts and skepticism about the resurrection of Jesus, can I just say to you, you were not alone. Luke chapter 24 begins, Jesus has been in the tomb. It's the third day. It's the morning on the third day. And as a custom, women were going to go and they were going to put spices, burial spices, on the body. It was not just something they would do for Jesus, but would happen for those who were put into a tomb. This was a common occurrence that folks would do. And so Luke chapter 24 begins with, but on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they went to the tomb taking the spices they had prepared. Now later on, we learn who they are. It's several women have gone to the tomb. But just this sentence, just this verse should catch us, or at least it did me. They went to the tomb taking the spices they had prepared. The book of Mark records this and says their concern was not whether or not there was going to be a body. Their concern was who's going to roll away the tombstone? Who's going to roll it away so that we can go in and put the burial spices? You put burial spices on a dead body. They were going expecting to find the body of Jesus in a tomb. On that first Easter morning, that's what they went for. Verse 2 continues, and it says, And they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed, now, there's moments in scriptures that I just have to pause and go, yeah, you think? This is one of them. They were perplexed about this, about what? About there not being a body, but also 
two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. Now, I don't know what dazzling looked like, but dazzling gets my attention that these guys weren't just in common robes standing beside the tomb. They were dazzling. They were radiant, some translations would say. Verse 5 says, And as they were frightened, again, you think? I'm frightened, and I'm not even there. They go early in the morning, carrying their burial spices. They go up. Their question is, who's going to roll away the tombstone? They get there. It's open. They go in. Dazzling men begin and are about to speak to them. This is frightening. And they bow their faces to the ground. The men said to them, why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but he is risen. Remember he told you. Remember he told you. And this is an interesting note here. Remember that he told you. We can go back. We can look uh, in Luke 9, 22, Matthew 17, um, in several places in Matthew 17, in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, in all of those Gospel accounts, the eyewitness accounts, one of the things that Jesus had done over and over and over with his disciples, those closest to him, is he had told them that the Son of Man was going to die and on the third day be raised from the dead. This was not new for them. But in this moment, the dazzling men say to them, He is not here. He has risen. Remember how he told you while he was in Galilee that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful man and be crucified on the third day rise. Remember, this is what he told you. Back there in Galilee, the Son of Man would come and he would be crucified by sinful man and on the third day, rise. Verse 8, and they remembered his words. Bing! Light bulb moment. Light bulb moment. But let's not, let's not go, well, how do you forget that Jesus said that? How do you forget that Jesus said that he would die and on the third day be raised from the dead? I tell you how I would forget it. I would forget it because I'm hanging out with a guy who's previously taken a guy, Lazarus, dead man, out of a grave, raised him to new life. I'm walking around with a guy who's taken and given sight to blind people. And he says along the way that the son of man's going to die and on the third day raised again. There's part of me that's going, I'm going to keep hanging out with the miracle side. They're not focused on that side of the teaching of Jesus. They're watching the miracles happen. And they remembered his words. Verse 9, and returning from the tomb, they, had, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. Now, here's, who's, here's who was there. Now it was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary, the mother of James and the other women with them, who told these things to the apostles. Verse 11, I'd like us to read this one out loud. Because again, if you're doubtful, if you're skeptical, I want you to see something. You are not alone when it comes to the resurrection of Jesus. This is a hard thing to capture in our mind. Verse 11, read this with me. But these words seemed to them an idle tale, and they did not believe them. What? How could you not believe them? I'll tell you how you could not believe them. They just came into the place of hiding where the disciples are hiding out, trying to figure out what's next. They just came in and said, Jesus is not there. He's been raised. 
that's a tough one to swallow, isn't it? Scripture says that they did not believe him. They considered this crazy talk, right? What are you talking about, Mary? Joanna, what are you talking about? That's idle talk. That's crazy. We don't believe you. Now listen, I don't think they didn't believe them because they were women. I think they didn't believe them because they were talking about a dead person coming back to life. This is not a small moment, is it? So here we have doubts, here we have skepticism, how we have all these things included in the resurrection story, not outside. If you do a little bit of homework, you you will see something that I saw as I was working on today's message. From the moment that Jesus is raised from the dead and the moment till he ascends, it's recorded in the book of Acts, he only hangs out with his followers. At least that's how it's recorded for us. He hangs out with his followers because even those closest to him needed to see him, to be with him, to experience a resurrected Savior because this is a hard thing to grasp. Then along comes another guy, verse 12. We pick on this guy. If you're new to church, just know uh, he gets a lot of flack, sometimes rightfully so. His name is Peter. And, and l- let me just share with you what Scripture says about Peter in this moment. So these ladies come back. They share. It's this idle talk. We, we don't believe you. So Peter decides, like Peter is, he's going to go figure it out and see for himself. That's just what he does. So he gets up and he, and he heads out. Verse 12 says, But Peter rose and ran to the tomb. Stooping and looking in, he saw the linen cloths by themselves and he went home marveling at what had happened. He went home marveling at what had happened. Now Peter has been with Jesus since the day that Jesus called Peter and said, Come follow me. But if you don't know his background, let me just give you a little bit of his story which makes this moment all the more miraculous. Since Peter followed Jesus, let me share with you his spiritual journey. He believed, he unbelieved, he denied he ever believed, he re-believed, and he believed. That's Peter. Let me be a little bit more precise. Peter believed... When Jesus was arrested, he unbelieved, he ran. Then when he was confronted by a middle school age girl, he said, I have never believed. And then the resurrection happens and he re-believes. If you're looking for somebody who had doubts and skepticism and made some motions and actions out of those, it's this guy. But also know, from the moment that he enters into the tomb, the moment that Jesus appears to the disciples at the end of Luke chapter 24, Peter never looks back. There's never another moment of denial. There's never another moment of disbelief. From that point forward, Peter went first headlong into the story of Jesus because he had seen a resurrected Jesus. You know what launched Peter to become in the book of Acts? Peter is the first preacher to proclaim the message of Jesus after the ascension of Jesus. I don't think it was the miracles that convinced Peter to preach. 
because he had denied Jesus after some of those. I don't think it was some of the teachings that Jesus taught before the death and resurrection of Jesus because he had denied Jesus after some of those. What launched Peter into a direction that he could not go back was one moment, and it was the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Don't miss the validity of the resurrection this morning. If you're doubtful, don't run away from it. Don't don't leave me this morning. Because there's guys like Peter who some folks showed up and said he's not there. We don't believe. Let's go check it out for ourselves. The journey continues in Luke chapter uh, 24. You can read about it at your house this afternoon and blow everybody away. Luke chapter 24, verse 13 through 35. And you can see this incredible interaction that Jesus has with a couple more people. But here's what happens. Jesus continues to appear and place himself in front of the disciples to say, this resurrection has really happened. And I'm not appearing to some people on the outside who don't, didn't believe to begin with. I'm appearing to those who had some belief, who doubted, who denied, who had some belief, who walked with me, who saw the things that I had experienced, who watched the miracles. So he appears to the ladies. He appears to the eleven. He appears later on to a group of 500 people. And he was answering their skepticism. And he can answer yours. Luke chapter 24, verse 45. Jesus is speaking here. He says, Then he opened their minds to understand the Scriptures. And he said to them, Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer... And on the third day, rise from the dead. And that. So now they're experiencing the resurrected Jesus. So what's next? What's next? What's next? And that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name in all the nations, beginning from Jerusalem. Verse 48. You are witnesses of these things. You are witnesses of these things. Now, we all know, according to television, Netflix, however you watch TV, we all know that in order to win a court case, you need a surprise witness, don't you? I mean, that's how every court case is won on television, although it's not how it works in real court, right? Uh, you just have this court, some of you like Matlock, some of you have no idea what I'm talking about, okay? And some of you like NCIS, okay? We'll just, we just covered all the, the docudramas and court dramas all in one fell swoop, all right? Somewhere in between, there is your favorite television drama that ends in a courtroom and things are going one direction and a surprise witness walks in the door and shares her testimony and everything goes away. Yeah. There wasn't just one witness to the resurrection of Jesus. There was a group of ladies who culturally were considered secondary. But Jesus appeared to them first. Here's some witnesses. He appeared to the 11. 
He appeared to the 11 plus those that were gathered with them. Later on, he appears to 500 first-hand witnesses. And he says, you are witnesses of these things. Don't miss the validity of the resurrection. What things had they witnessed? What things is Jesus referring to? What did they witness? Here's what they witnessed. The life of Jesus, the miracles of Jesus, the teachings of Jesus, the death of Jesus, the burial of Jesus, the resurrection of Jesus, the conversations they were going to have with a raised to life Jesus that had yet to come, the teachings of Jesus, they they were to go into all the world and share the message of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. You are my witnesses. Don't miss the significance of this. If you've grown up in church, don't miss this moment. That makes, this moment makes today not something on our calendar. It transforms our lives. These witnesses could not, just know this, they couldn't take the message of Jesus and go, "Eh, now he's ascended into heaven a little bit later on, and we're just going to hide the message. No, you can't stop talking about hanging out with a guy who was previously body ripped apart on a cross, now standing in front of you, cooking breakfast with you as one of the Gospels records. You can't stop talking about that. And when he says, take this truth to all the nations, you can't not do it. You can't stop talking about it. If you don't believe me and you don't want to trust here, then you go home and do some homework today and study the names of the 11 disciples. And what you will find in sources outside of Scripture, the accounts of their death. And to the point of their death, every one of them could not stop talking about this. The life, death, resurrection Forgiveness of sins offered to Jesus Christ. This resurrection moment of Jesus transformed a group of doubting disciples. Doubting disciples. I love that. The resurrection of Jesus took took these doubting disciples and transformed them into world-changing witnesses. Now let me ask you. You guys, this is a chance for you, me to make sure that you guys are awake, all right? You guys are still with me and you're not consumed with the thought of whatever you're eating in just a little while, okay? Let me ask you this, just logically. Would you be willing to die for something that you knew was untrue? Not me. On top of that, would you be willing to go from your hometown to the next town, to the next town, to another culture, to another culture, and share that message knowing that you and a group of 11 guys huddled up in a house together and conjured up this fake lie and you were going to be willing to die for it? Let's take that one step further. There's 500 of you. There's probably... I don't know, a couple hundred of you in this room right now. You know how hard it would be for me to convince all of you, hey guys, I know it's Easter, let's leave this place and let's fabricate a story that happened in this room and, 
And by the way, this story that we're going to fabricate, you've got to be willing to take it and you've got to be willing to die for it. Somebody in this room is going to give, aren't you? Me first. Somebody in this room is going to go, I can't keep that under wraps. I can't hide that and tuck that away as if it happened. No way. Multiply that over thousands of years before today that a group of 500, a group of 11, a group that peered into the tomb witnessed a Jesus with wounds in his hands and his feet. And he said, hey, what did he proclaim to them in Luke 24? He said, it's written that Jesus Christ, speaking of himself, would suffer and die and on the third day be raised from the dead and repentance for the forgiveness of sins needs to be preached and taken to all nations beginning right here in your hometown. Boys and girls, you will be my witnesses. Historically, there's evidence, there's witnesses, there's firsthand, there's secondhand. And heaven knows, for 2,000 years, historians, archaeologists, philosophers have been poking and probing probing at the, the story of the resurrection of Jesus, trying to discredit it and trying to pull it away and to punch holes in it, but they have not. And I'm confident they will not. Why? Because there's a group of eyewitnesses who said, we saw it. You saw it? I saw it. 11 of us saw it. 500 of us saw it. Don't miss the significance of the resurrection. But then also something this morning that I, I want to share with you is don't miss the power of the resurrection for your life. Don't miss it. I want to be really personal with you for a few minutes. I want to move this away from looking at it historically and looking at the validity of it, although that is vastly important. And now I want to ask you to Let me share with you why it's important. Why is the resurrection important to me? Why is it significant to you? The core truth of this, that Jesus lived, died, was raised to life, to offer forgiveness to people ready and willing to change is still the same. The resurrection of Jesus. Because of the resurrection of Jesus, your sins, this is personal, your sins can be forgiven. Because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, your sins can be forgiven. A couple things that I'm about to share here, some of you have heard before. If you've heard before, if you've responded before, this is your time to pray. Some of you have not. Some of you have rejected what I'm about to share. I want to encourage you to bring your doubting, skeptical ears to the evidence. Your sins can be forgiven. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit has set you free 
in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. Have you ever worked on a project and you've got about 90% of the way done and you just want to scrap it because it's so bad? Anybody? Um, I have, I, I do that anytime that I do any type of art. Okay? I am artistically challenged, we'll put it. Uh, oftentimes I'll have children from our church, you know, eight, 10 year olds come to my office and we'll talk to them about their faith. And it's such a great time. They do that with Kelly, our children's minister and our other pastors, you know, it happens. And, and so I always use this wipe on wipe off board in my office and I'll give them a marker and we'll start drawing on the board. And I have been internally judged by so many eight year olds for my abilities. They don't say it, but they look at me and I can see them thinking, is that really the best he can draw? Yes, it is. Stick figures is the height, all right? They always have the same hair. It's like flowing, right? Every, every time I draw. And, and when I was in middle school and in college, I remember being in college in this art class that you had to take. You had to take. I have no idea why. And I can, I can remember numerous times getting on this palette or on this piece of paper, ripping it across the top, bundling it up and chunking it across the room and just saying, I'm starting over. Some of you are living your life like that right now. You've made decisions that are weighing you down with guilt. You've got things that you're currently in the middle of that you know are sinful. Now listen, I'm not going to get into debate with you this morning on whether or not you know what sin is. I believe you do because we live in a broken world. You know when something that grieves a relationship, you know when something happens that offends those around you. And some of you in this room this morning are going, man, I'll tell you what, if I could just crumble this up and start over, I'd do it today. Then why don't you? That's what the resurrection of Jesus offers to you. He says, I'll set you free from the law of sin and death and give you the the gift of life. Scripture says, I will take, Jesus says, I will take your sins and cast them, Scripture says, and cast them as far as the east is from the west. Your sins can be forgiven through the power of the resurrection, not apart from, not because of some miracles, not from some other moments in the, in the time that Jesus lived, but because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, your sins, my sins, can be forgiven. That's the power of the resurrection. There's also power in the resurrection that your eternity can be secured. Your eternity can be secured. Now, I've never... I, sometimes I spend some time in coffee shops, not a whole lot, not as much as some of you guys do. Some of you guys, every time I walk in, you're in the coffee shop, all right? No matter which, which country we're in around here, right? And you walk in the coffee shop. I've never had anybody sit me down in a coffee shop and say, hey, let's talk about death. How morbid. But can I be honest with you? It's a reality. It's not one we like to talk about. It's not one we like to bring up. But the reality is, we all ask and think about what's happening after this. What's after this? 
What's after this life of 60, 70, 80, 90 years, whatever it is for you? There's a guy by the name of Peter. You've heard of him before this morning. The guy who believed and doubted and believed and doubted, believed and doubted. The guy who eventually was crucified upside down for sharing the message of Jesus Christ because he never gave up the message. That guy wrote a letter. And in that letter, he talked about eternity. He talked about heaven. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3 through 5, Peter said, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope. Through what? Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Translation, Peter, the guy who believed and doubted and struggled, who committed his life to be a witness of what he had experienced and seen and had seen, says, guys, your eternity can be secured in heaven for eternity if you will surrender your life to Jesus Christ. And what's waiting for you in heaven is imperishable. It is undefiled. It is unfading. It's not going away. And all the powers of creation are guarding that until that day. Man, that makes me excited. Because this world, quite honestly, cannot be all that there is. We would all agree this world is so broken. But the resurrection, the resurrection of Jesus means that your sins can be forgiven, means that your eternity can be secured. And this last one is a heavy one. Because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, your present problems and pain are temporary. Now let me say this. Last night, before our service began, I had two conversations before, one after. One was starting cancer treatment before. One was waiting for multiple transplants. One after was finishing up cancer treatment. I share that with you, not so you can try to figure out who it is. I share that with you because I understand the weight of your trials and your pain. I do. And so if you're new with us today and you go, man, you don't know my trials and pain. You're right, I I may not. But I'm not in any way trying to make light of those But I am trying to tell you that Scripture teaches us that because, thankfully, because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, my pain and trials are temporary. They are not eternal. For those who believe and those who do not believe face suffering and trials. Don't miss this, that the power of the resurrection 
Again, Peter, I won't cover him again. If you don't have him by this point, you're not gonna get him, all right? Listen to what he says about trials. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold, that perishes though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. He's not making light of your trials. He's not sweeping them under the rug. He's saying, I acknowledge that you're going, you are tested through these trials to examine the genuineness of your faith and who you are. There's testing. There are struggles. But he says, though for a little while, I am so thankful that this world is not the end. And I'm so thankful that your trials and your pain are temporary. Some of you need to know that in this room right now. That the weight that you're carrying is temporary. Doesn't make it easy. Makes it temporary. Though for a little while. And why are they temporary and how are they temporary? Because the resurrection has promised you that your sins can be forgiven. Has promised you that there is eternity waiting for you in heaven. And has proclaimed to you that though for a little while, the testing may continue. Don't miss the resurrection. I have no doubt there are those of you in this room who need to surrender your life to the power of the resurrection today. I've been praying with you, for you. There's a couple other people that have been praying for you. Been praying that you would take your doubts, your skepticism, bring them with you to the resurrection and see that the resurrection of Jesus offers you eternal life. Your sins are forgiven. And that your pain is temporary.